Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Any more liberation? Any more liberation? Any more liberation? Whoa. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the animal advocacy show on 3CR. You just heard Out of the Pan with Sally Goldner, and you can tune in to Sally's show every Sunday at 12pm. It's Claire here speaking, (laughs) and I wanted to start by acknowledging that I'm coming to you from Jajarung country in central Victoria. I want to pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to the First Nations people on whose lands you're listening in from today. We're here as a team, the <laughs> Freedom of Species team, so I might just pass around to other people who can acknowledge what country you're recording from today. So, Nick? Yeah, I'm joining from the lands of the Wurundjeri people, the Kulin Nation. Caroline? I'm coming from the Bunurong country and I'm actually at Narangali, Sweetwater Creek. And Trent? Yeah, hey everyone. Yeah, I'm also like Nick in Wurundjeri country. For everyone listening, we're doing a Zoom chat for this show. So, um, yeah, we hope you enjoy. Um, So this is nominally our Christmas episode, but we just wanted to start with a bit of a conversation about what's happening in Palestine at the moment. Um, It feels very strange um, and very inappropriate to be talking about celebrations without at least acknowledging the context of Christmas having been cancelled in Palestine. So if people haven't seen, the Christian churches in Palestine have released a statement saying that they're not celebrating Christmas because of the genocide that's occurring in Gaza. So very mixed feelings. You know, it's sort of a... Um, Claire? Yep. So when did that get announced? Yeah, it was pretty early on into the... the, um, Israeli attack on Gaza that they announced that Christmas was being cancelled. And I'm not sure if people have seen the photos, and I'll put it in the show notes, um, but one of the churches in Bethlehem has actually constructed their Christmas nativity scene with baby Jesus being in rubble. Yeah, as a comment on what the experience of Palestinians are at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't aware that um, I hadn't heard about the Christmas being cancelled. So I'm guessing that was just from Christian churches, was it? Yes, there's a number of different churches that have representation in Palestine, different Orthodox churches um, and different Christian denominations. Yeah, and they often come together as a council and release public statements on different things. You know, there's been various attacks on churches as well as mosques. Um, in Palestine, yeah. Well, I was actually going to say, like, has there been any response from that from other religious organisations outside of the Christian churches, like mosques or anything? Have they made any statements about... I know Christmas isn't going to be as relevant, but have they made any statements? Does anyone know? Like, because I haven't heard much about it. No, I haven't seen anything in response to that. There was a question. One of the Christian representatives was actually asked if they'd received a response. I think they had sent it to America, like Joe Biden had been informed of this. The church had been asked if they'd received a response from the US about cancelling Christmas and they were, and the church leader was like, well, they just uh, vetoed a ceasefire in Gaza. So we're taking that as the American response to us cancelling Christmas. It was like, yeah, brutal, yeah. 
Yeah, and when you raise that as something to discuss, I thought it was so more a general thing of what's going on there, not so specific to Christmas um, in Palestine. And I think something stands out to me is that it's often, I think, incorrectly labelled as a religious conflict. And I think like Christians in Palestine and Muslims within Israel and stuff like that really sort of challenge that narrative. Like, yes, you know, people are religious in in that part of the world. Many people are religious, but it's got really got quite little to do with religion and more about loss of land and, you know, apartheid uh, systems with two different laws for different groups of people and those kind of things rather than being, yeah, again, a religious conflict, which is often framed as. Mm. The um, story that I shared yesterday about it was um, Reverend Dr. Muntha Isaac, pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Bethlehem. I was asked today by journalists if I received a response in the White House to the letter we sent to the churches in Bethlehem asking for a ceasefire. I answered that the response was the veto in the UN. They celebrate Christmas in their land and wage war in our land. So yeah, that was pretty damning. I misremembered that the letter wasn't actually <laughs> saying we're cancelling Christmas, it was asking for the White House to call a ceasefire. So, But yes, it had been announced by Council of Churches. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of um, stuff going around recently talking about the fact that, you know, Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. Yeah, people just totally misremember kind of the history when they kind of try to conflate um, what's happening in Israel-Palestine with some kind of religious conflict. It's actually about settler colonialism and stolen land and injustice. It's not actually to do with, a, you know, ancient religious enmities and... Christians, Jews and Muslims have lived in that part of the world in peace for a really, really long time before the establishment of the State of Israel. Bethlehem is a Palestinian city, which I never, you know, grew up in a very white <laughs> environment and never sort of realised that history until I did learn more about that part of the world. Yeah, and Laura Schleifer on a previous episode was talking about the ways in which, like, yes, there have been Jewish people there for a long time, but they lived as Palestinian Jews, not as some um, what she labelled Jewish supremacist state, mm. which I thought was a really important point as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. there's huge protests. I'm not sure if people have seen the footage. There's huge protests amongst the Orthodox communities in Israel, which are incredibly violently suppressed by the IDF and the, you know, Israeli police and so forth, because it's actually against a lot of Orthodox beliefs to establish the state of Israel. Mm, yeah, I've heard the same. Yeah, so there's huge solidarity and yeah even jews like orthodox jews living inside israel are pro-palestinian and routinely get terrorized and brutalized by the israeli state for for things like flying the palestinian flag and for demonstrating against the war in gaza and showing solidarity in social media posts as we were talking about the other day yeah, wow. But literally yeah. police are rocking up people's doors, talking to them about liking posts that are sympathetic to the plight of Palestinians. Yeah, there have been quite a number of videos shared on social media by, you know, around teachers being arrested or, yeah, the police are going to someone's house and talking to them about those sorts of things. It's, it's really quite difficult to comprehend. That's shocking, yeah. Yeah. Do people feel like this impacts how you feel about Christmas or is time, <laughs> time that you normally feel a bit cynical about, Caroline? Um, it does impact how I feel about Christmas. I just think it feels completely inappropriate to celebrate at this horrendous time in history. That's how it feels to me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I must say I'm not a huge fan of Christmas anyway, even though I do have, you know, some lovely childhood memories and it was, you know, important to my family, da-da-da, but it just feels so hugely inappropriate. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I've never been a huge fan either. I think it is a really tough one because I feel like there's kind of similar discussions around animals too. There's obviously a lot of animal slaughter around Christmas and obviously it's different because that's such an ongoing thing. I guess, that, yeah, Palestine's an ongoing thing too, but it's been particularly horrendous over recent months. But yeah, there's that thing of like, oh, I can't have fun while there's animal suffering. I can't enjoy things. And as much as I totally understand what Caroline's saying, I feel like I, I've definitely heard of sort of decades-long vegans who sort of subscribe Described that way of thinking like I'll go to the theatre when the animals are free was something that uh, Roger Yates um, around the show used to say and now it's like no I will go to the theatre now and kind of enjoy my life even though I'm doing what I can for animals as well so it's um, yeah it's a tough one I'm, I'm not a fan of Christmas anyway so I didn't need any putting off but I guess I, I think it's kind of it's complex I would say. It's a shame radio an auditory medium because if it was visual visual um, <laughs> You have to see that Nick is wearing that <laughs> with bar humbug on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, my initial sort of thoughts to that, like, you know, how do we feel about Christmas in light of the events at the moment, sort of along the lines a bit of what Nick alluded to just before, like, I don't see, like, what's been happening in Palestine has been 75 years constantly happening, a genocide. I mean... Obviously, there's these sort of ebbs and flows in the in the aggression level um, and the violence level, but it's always there at a certain baseline, a constant genocide that's happening. And I think even in our local contexts, we're not in any different of a situation, really. We've got, like, we are settler colonial people in an ongoing genocide that's been going for over 200 years. And I guess I just don't see... A huge difference in what's happening now compared to what's been happening historically over those many, many decades in in both regions, um, because they are the same. They are just settler colonial violence. It's just invasion in both in both senses, and it's ongoing genocide. And sort of like what Nick was saying, I think just because you're doing what you can to fight that or try to be in solidarity with people who are suffering that, life goes on as well, and you sort of have to do what you do with your life. So I personally don't feel too conflicted about celebrating Christmas. Not that I'm a huge celebrator of Christmas. It's just a small thing with family and some friends on the side. But yeah, I think it's just, to me, it's just an excuse at the end of the year to try and reconnect with some family or friends that you might not have had a chance to as much as you might have liked or you might not get a chance to because of the way life goes day by day and week by week for everyone. And um, just to have a little bit of downtime and sort of reflection and re repositioning or a bit of perspective on on how life is going for for everyone in your life, including world issues, big issues, but also personal issues. So that's sort of what Christmas is to me, rather than anything religious. And so I'm still going to go ahead with that sort of, I wouldn't say celebration, but I'm going to have that holiday period and that holiday time, and I'll spend that in a typical fashion but definitely won't be forgetting what's happening. I think it's really important to keep it front of mind. And especially if some people are glossing over it, it might be something to really like keep on the tip of your tongue to be ready to, to mention it if people try to either gloss over it or, or pretend it's not an issue. I mean, I have been the sort of saving grace to my sanity over the last um, 60 plus days has been the opportunity to gather together with like-minded people and engage in action and so I think I'm going to try and mm. do as much of that over the holiday period. Um, it's my birthday on Sunday um, when this is going to air and I'll be at the rally in Melbourne in, um, for Palestine because I actually can't think of anything that I would prefer to do um, for my birthday than to join together with hopefully like tens of thousands of people and have a big yell um, and cause some disruption and get some focused attention on the issue. So, yeah, I think that yeah. that is a good thing to do at this time of year is to participate in actions. Yeah. So does that mean everyone's invited to Claire's birthday this Sunday at the <laughs> State Library in Nam? Yep. Come along and bring your friends. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the crowd will be too big for us to all find each other, but yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Come on down. So about Christmas Eve, the following week, I imagine there'll be another rally. And I thought for me, that would be a great way to continue showing my solidarity 
but also for something that's a lot more meaningful to me. So for Christmas Eve last year, Project Fresh Start, and we've had Jolene on the show, we had a community lunch for, um, you know, people mm. sort of doing it tough. And we had a lunch um, in the southeastern suburbs and that was just fantastic. But Jolene and her partner are taking a very well-earned break, so we're not doing that this year. And I couldn't think of anywhere else I'd rather be than on the streets um, with like-minded people raising our voice and hoping very much for a permanent ceasefire and an end to the occupation. Yeah. Um, This might be a good time to go to our first song. So in celebration to it have finally been restored to Spotify. This song's been banned from Spotify for a number of months, um, but has finally returned. Um, So the song is Anna Dummy Falestini which means my blood is Palestinian, Um, doesn't even mention Israel or anything, but, yeah, the charges were that it was an anti-Semitic song and so it was removed from Spotify and Apple Music and people have obviously appealed that decision and it's finally been restored. So the singer is a young Palestinian man called Mohammed Asaf and he was the winner of, I think the second Arab Idol, which is like, was a sort of across many nations, Arab nations, um, singing contest along the lines of what, you know, we've seen on our mainstream television. Um, so, yeah, young Gazan man, Mohammed Asaf, yeah, wrote this beautiful song, My Blood is Palestinian, and you would have probably heard it multiple times played in the background of various protests and so forth but yeah i just thought we should celebrate the fact that it's now back on spotify على ديني على أرض تلاقيني أنا لهلي أنا فديهم أنا دم فلسطيني 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 أنا دم فلسطيني
Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but co-power gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a co-power member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and co-power today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. Things need topping up every now and then. More tea, auntie. Thanks, bub. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID-19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID-19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID-19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom's Faces Christmas episode. That was Mohammed Asaf with Anidami Palestini. Um, one of the topics of conversation we thought we'd have today was what it's like being a vegan at Christmas. It can be a really isolating experience, I think. Um, and I certainly have some, at least one <laughs> experience of my own to share. But yeah, what is it like being a vegan? Are you the only vegan in your family? What's your Christmas lunch experience usually like? Well, I've had, I've had quite a varied experience. So um, probably like many vegans, I've certainly had the extended family scenario where I am the only vegan or one of maybe two vegans, and that's really difficult. But then I sort of worked things into a really good space where Christmas lunch was at my house and my house is vegan notwithstanding that my mum would kind of like forget things and she'd bring like dairy milk chocolate, but, you know, do you know what I mean? So if, if I'm cooking and I would offer to do that, I'm cooking so everything's vegan. And that I found really good. And that was with my immediate family, yeah. Carolyn, was there any objections or hesitance from other non-vegan family members the first time you tried to do that? No. Wow. Because I think they were happy that I was cooking. And they had tofurkey, right, and thought it was fantastic. And I told them afterwards what it was. Or they had vegan chocolate mousse. And I told them afterwards how we made it. Yeah, wow. I think it was because they didn't have to really do anything. <laughs> I'd turn up and, yeah, no, it went over really well. Laziness trumps meat eating, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'd have some vegan easy booklets out as well. <laughs> But I think that's the thing. Make people nice food, bring them in, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm definitely the cook in my family. I usually host Christmas and then, yeah, people just have to eat what I make, which is all vegan. But, yeah, I've, I've had experiences before, like with one of my exes going to family things and getting to the point where I would just actually have to take my own food but then being made fun of by his family for bringing my food, which was really, really horrific. There was a great vegan cafe for a while up here in Kyneton. Um, I can't remember the name of the cafe, but it was beautiful. Um, and they would do a great thing where they would make at-your-own-house um, meals for, like, Christmas and Easter and stuff. Um, and so I have also used when going to somebody else's house for like a, a meal and actually bought like a, a beautiful quiche from that incredible cafe. It's unfortunately shut down now. Oh, it was Olivia's Kitchen. It was amazing in Kyneton. Oh, okay. It was really, really great. Beautiful Italian vegan food. And they would do like special occasion big meals that you could order. And yeah, I took a quiche to Easter one year that just heated up in the oven, which was really lovely. Mm. So at the risk of sounding a little bit repetitive, but I'm just really interested personally because I've never, like full disclosure, I'm not a good cook. I'm not a cook at all. I'm, I'm just terrible, I, but I, I'm trying to learn. But what I mean is that I've never really cooked for family, especially not vegan. So I'm interested to know because I'm thinking how it might go for me and I'm thinking maybe other listeners might be in a similar position where they've never cooked for their family vegan the first time you did it, Claire, was there any resistance? Was there any pushback? Were there any people saying, oh, but I want my food. You're not going to provide what I want. 
No, I think my niece, well, my nibblings, when they were younger, they weren't very adventurous eaters. Um, and so they sometimes don't eat stuff, um, but that's just kids are picky eaters. <laughs> sometimes it is a comment on my vegan cooking, like one of, my nephew will be like, oh, is that vegan? I'm not, I'm not having that. But yeah, over the years, I've sort of battered him down now um, that he will at least try because for me, like, I love baking. And so outside of Christmas, I would often rock up to things with, like, vegan chocolate chip cookies or cupcakes or whatever. And, yeah, they would be like, oh, no, I'm not eating that. But, yeah, once they taste it, it's just sugary deliciousness is sugary deliciousness. But I've had the experience of having been cooking the galley on Sea Shepherd ships when they were in port and then also doing for a program that I ran, I cooked, like, for a riding retreat, I cooked all vegan food for like 25 people for five days, four meals a day, all vegan. So I kind of have that experience of how to make like a big meal because it's totally different. I think that's one thing to remember actually is if you're cooking for a lot of people, what tastes good for a lot of people is not necessarily what tastes good for like two or three serves. Like you've got to work out what scales up yeah things that scale up really really well and things that don't scale up well and almost like the more fiddly things that you make the less likely it is to scale up well so i cook a really beautiful from isa chandra morovitz um has a cookbook with really beautiful like vegan quiche uh, broccoli quiche in there and that, that scales up really well that's really lovely curries scale up really well some of the smith and deli food scales up really really well unsurprisingly <laughs> like their spanish baked beans scale up really well yeah so i i try and convert people with just giving them really delicious food that they didn't even think would be possible like who i would never have thought you could make a vegan quiche before i became vegan yeah and i think look if people are fans of the traditional baked dinner that's pretty easy to adapt and it's pretty difficult to get roast vegetables wrong. Like, but I agree, like, you've got to think about how many people do you have, how is that going to scale, and the thing that would drive me a little bit, uh, get me really anxious is um, just the timing of everything. But then I would write down. I have a whiteboard. <laughs> pumpkin and the roast potato. I've got this to steam. I've got so I could just look back on my list. That, that's how I would, I would do it. But, yeah, I would do the roast, all the roasted vegetables and some steamed greens and maybe a green salad, another salad, tofurkey or some other little roast, gravy. Who's not going to be happy with that? Mm. Sorry, I was just going to say just in terms of like nibbles and things, you know, there's so many nice vegan cheeses and so I would get some things like that and people would be like, oh, wow, this is such a creamy brie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely, isn't it? It's made from nuts. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say just about the eating like Christmas stuff. Yeah, what I've generally eaten is very sort of meat and potatoes, very basic, just like literally like mock meat and potatoes, like just a sort of Christmas roast stuff with tofurkey roast or whatever other roast I get my hands on and potatoes, roast veg, that kind of thing. But one little hint I think I've done the last few years is chopping the potatoes diagonally and they become a lot more crispy. So that's something that I've really enjoyed the last few years. Yeah, I guess for myself, it's sort of changed over the years in terms of vegan at Christmas. When I started out a long time ago, I probably had less vegan family, but they were always very accommodating and would just do vegan food mostly, I think. But over the years, most of my family are vegan or vegetarian or, or my parents are kind of vegan at home and vegetarian elsewhere. So most people in the family, my brother's gone vegan since and my sister eats mostly vegan. So it's everything's vegan at the family Christmas lunch. They're back in Perth. I'm in Melbourne now, but our Christmas is generally very small. Uh, me and my partner and my brother, sometimes my cousin, who's also vegan as well. So it's just very stress-free, very, very easy. There's definitely no conflicts related to veganism at all. Wow. My family, we normally have our Easter and Christmas family meals for extended family on my mother's side. So my uncle on my mother's side and my cousins and their whole family. And they have the very typical, you know, they want to provide a big spread. No one 
in that family other than me is vegan. So my meals are always the token side things. It's like, you know, my auntie will pull me aside and go, now this is vegan, this is vegan, and that's vegan. And that's all I've got pretty much to choose from. And it's pretty good that they'll do that at least, but it's definitely not a, you know, there's no interest and there's no real wanting to be accommodating more than the absolute minimum just to make sure that they're not embarrassed that I'm not eating anything, which is probably how it started because I, when I was younger and was vegetarian then went vegan, it was probably, oh, what can he eat? <laughs> so um, I've thought about it sometimes, like offering to host, but it's such a tradition, I guess, that's happened in our family that it's always that side of the family that hosts it. The closest we've come now is just bringing a dish to share that's vegan, normally a dessert or something because... They're pretty good with making main dishes that are vegan in terms of, you know, being able to make a salad that's vegan or some veggies that are vegan and some, you know, vegan mock meat or something. But dessert stuff is a little bit more, I guess it's it's not on non-vegans' radars as much, I think. Vegan desserts, they're just not as aware of what's vegan and what's possible. And when non-vegans think of desserts, they typically think of all the dairy desserts, whether it's dairy chocolate or dairy ice cream and lots of egg involved in baking and things like that. And and so the concept of vegan desserts, I think, seems very alien to most non-vegans. So that's probably the first part that I'll try and, you know, really provide some alternatives for. But outside of family stuff, like that always used to drive me a bit bonkers, was going to like work Christmas things and you would, like that would kind of be your gift from work or you would all have to pay and as a vegan then just getting like super substandard stuff from a kitchen <laughs> that doesn't know how to deal with you but of course you never go to like a proper vegan restaurant because you couldn't possibly ask people to you know eat vegan for their christmas dinner and yeah like desserts like my rage of being given like a plate of you know, apple slices or you know, lettuce. Yeah. like here's your you know delicious and everybody else around you is eating like these luscious like chocolate mm. you know lovely christmas desserts and yeah and you just get some weird thing that the chefs just fruit platter chefs. basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i used to get that was my bar like if i was at a work function or something all they needed to do was impress me was something other than a salad for a main and something other than fruit for dessert. That was all I wanted, but I would hardly ever pass both of those two things. It was very difficult for those two boxes to be ticked. Yeah. yeah. It really annoyed me. And I think another thing we'll be having is some golden gay times as well, not to promote a major corporation or anything like that. But um, as much as I, I used to be quite cynical about this stuff, and I still am, but we definitely can't view these corporations giving us vegan options as like the end of animal liberation. But I, I, I do think that in decades gone by, it was very much vegans had to go without. We had to convince people to go yep. without. And I feel like with golden gay times being vegan and so many other things, it's like we're increasingly going with, even if we're vegan as well. So I feel like as much as, yeah, again, it's not the end, end goal or anything like that. It does make it easier for work functions, that kind of thing, if this stuff is available um, mm. so we can do better mm. than a fruit salad for dessert, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would be so happy if I went to like a work Christmas party and someone brought me a slab-based <laughs> <laughs> Golden gay time, I would just feel like, okay, your restaurant gets five stars. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I did do a work thing once where my boss had gone to that really expensive vegan bakery. It's shut down now, I think. It was a victim of COVID. It was on, like, Flinders Lane. It was... Was that Weirdos? Yes, Weirdos. Yeah, and my boss had gone. Everybody else got croissants, and I was like, oh, great, I'm going to get nothing. And she'd gone and bought me a chocolate croissant for that. From there and like one croissant was like seven dollars so i swear she'd bought like enough croissants to feed or something it's seven dollars and then spent seven dollars on one for me but i did really appreciate it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. do we have any favorite christmas recipes that we use to wow people or any favorite christmas mock meats or I mean, my favourite roast is field roast. I don't know if people have come across field roast stuff before. They make beautiful sausages. Their chipotle sausages are divine. I can't get them up here. I think they stopped importing them for a while during COVID. And, yeah, they're an American company and it's been hard to get them. But in Castlemaine, my local, like, hippie 
shop. It's called Green Goes the Grocer, which is a bit of a mouthful. And they have like decent range for a country town of like vegan products. They carry the field roast roasts. So my mum was like, that's my favourite. We had it last year and she was like, that's my favourite Christmas roast because we were just getting like Coles and Woolies five buck ones for a while. And they're all right, but they're pretty much just like a slab of wheat gluten. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, decorate with like some gravy and, and they're lovely. But yeah, the field roast ones are really, really good if people see them. Unfortunately, Susie Spoon doesn't deliver regionally. I have had a Susie Spoon um, roast before a couple of years ago for Christmas and that was divine too. So if you're metropolitan based, I would advise that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the one I've got for this year. And I think if you do want a specialist one, you do have to get in early generally, but obviously you can get others on the day. I used to like the sanitarium ones that had the seasoning, then they got rid of the seasoning, but um, they were another one that was, was quite cheap. But I really liked all of them that I've had. So yeah, but at the same time, I'm also, if I didn't have a roast, I'd be quite happy to go without and do roast chickpeas or something as well. So yeah, I, I, I like them. Don't necessarily need to, to do them as well, but usually do if, if they're available. Yeah, same. But I do think the field one is good. I think all the seasoning and sage and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I that last year. I think that was when the vegan grocery store was still in Fitzroy. But I'm probably a bit like you, Nick. I, it doesn't really worry me. I'm happy just to have all the roast vegetable and salad and stuff, you know, but um. Yeah, it went over very well, so recommend that one. I didn't read the instructions last year and you have to defrost it for 24 hours before you cook it and like an hour before my family due to arrive, I got it out the microwave and that, that instruction is separate from the cooking instructions. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So I was like yeah, thank goodness for microwaves and their defrost function. Um, yeah, <laughs> that saved my Christmas too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the premise to a comedy show. <laughs> Pretty much. At least I know I'm not going to be anyone food poisoning. Vegan Mr. Still Bean. frozen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my favourite Christmas recipes, I really like making vegan gingerbread cookies. Mm. Well, yeah. Something super Christmassy to me about gingerbread. I don't really understand why. My mum's not a good cook. We've <laughs> never grew up with like a big Christmas spread or, a, you know, a whole bunch of baked treats or anything. But, yeah, I just really like it. And I taught myself to cook when I became vegan. I had no, like, yeah, no skills before that. And so it's been really interesting. I love recipes. Like I just use recipes like I can fly a little bit solo these days with, you know, like seven, eight years of experience of vegan cooking under my belt. But, you know, before I would just literally follow a recipe and do exactly what they said. And for me, the really interesting thing about gingerbread was that the really, like the flavor that I really associate with gingerbread actually comes from the cloves rather than ginger. So that was my little cookie learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've only bought the gingerbread, like the pre-made ones. <laughs> That's just my laziness. But uh, yeah, you, you get them from the vegan, or could get them from the vegan supermarket. Probably get them online still, but I've never, never made them. Yeah, the smell of it's beautiful. Mm, mm. And so, are you making shapes? Are they the shape of people? What what is it? No, it's not. I think it's more decorative, and I think it would have to be harder. These are quite soft, just little circle ones. They're literally like just really the size of like a marble or something, and then you pop them down, and yeah, you can eat like ten in a city. <laughs> so literally, just like mouthfuls. I mean, I cook it with raw sugar as well. It gives it a really, really interesting texture. It's kind of yeah, it's really, really cool. I will include the link to that particular recipe in our show notes. Um, and, yeah, you have to rest the dough in the fridge for a couple of hours, which baking is such a, like, crazy sort of chemical experience. Yeah. So I don't really know why you do that. I think it helps the, the cookies stay together, which can be a real issue with baking cookies. Should we go to our second song? Yes. So our second song is Phil Oaks, and I hope I'm pronouncing their surname right, uh, No Christmas in Kentucky. So 
Just going to read a short blurb on this song. So it says, The socialist singer-songwriter Phil Oakes spent the festive period of 1962 in Hazard, Kentucky, where he performed a number of gigs for the families of miners striking over the modernisation of their industry. Oakes was greatly moved by the experience and would write a protest song, No Christmas in Kentucky, that described the desperation and poverty he had witnessed at first hand. Shopper shopping on a neon city street Another Christmas dollar for another Christmas tree There's satin on the pretty dolls that make the children glow While a boy is walking ragged in the cold Kentucky snow No, they don't have Christmas in Kentucky There's no holly on a West Virginia door don't twinkle when you're hungry And the jingle bells don't jingle when you're poor There's lots of toys for children when the Christmas time is near But the present for the miners is a stocking full of fears In the dark hills of Kentucky there's one gift that may be found Coldest of forgotten days that's lying on the ground No, they don't have Christmas in Kentucky There's no holly on a West Virginia door For the trees don't twinkle when you're hungry And the jingle bells don't jingle when you're poor Let's drink a toast to Congress and a toast to Santa Claus and a toast to all the speeches that bring the loud applause. There's not enough to give, no, there's just not enough to share. So we'll drown the sounds of sorrow with a hearty Christmas cheer. No, they don't have Christmas in Kentucky. There's no holly on a West Virginia door. For the trees don't twinkle when you're hungry. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's Day For now's a time of plenty, plenty's here to stay But if you knew what Christmas was, I think that you would find Christ is spending Christmas in the cold Kentucky mine No, they don't have Christmas in Kentucky There's no holly on a West Virginia door Have you experienced or seen racism against blackfellas? Report racism against First Nations people with Call It Out, an online register to expose racism. Stand up, be heard, call it out. Go to callitout.com.au. A 3CR supporter. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. Uh, that was Phil Oakes, No Christmas in Kentucky. So the final topic we were going to discuss today was the ethics of gift giving in a consumerist society and how we all negotiate that. Does anyone want to kick us off? 
I'm happy to do it because we, my family, last several years we've done Buy Nothing Christmas, which I highly recommend. Uh, me and my dad <laughs> particularly really pushing for that. Um, yeah, my dad's very environmental conscious. He had shopping bags about like 35 years ago when like no one else did and he got very strange looks and stuff like that because uh, he didn't want the plastic <laughs> bags. So yeah, Buy Nothing Christmas is really good. Also, I think for people who do do gifts, birthday presents or whatever or if you're not doing a buy nothing Christmas something which I often do particularly me and my brother is like we'll buy each other like tickets to go see a band or go see a sporting thing or something like that so you're buying experiences rather than more stuff as well so I think that's another good way mm. to sort of reduce the waste and the, the carbon footprints of of things but still give each other presents as well for those who do want to do that as well for me it's also it's an eth ethical thing but for me it's also <laughs> laziness and a hassle of having to buy a Christmas presents for everyone too so from that point of view I'm really happy not to do presents but experiences are another way to go too. How did you go with your family negotiating by nothing Christmas? You said you and your dad are really into it but how did this yeah. family go? Yeah I think I proposed that my dad was really in favour and I think the rest of the family a bit like not as keen but yeah every year it's kind of oh so we're doing presents again and I'm like no and dad's like definitely not no let's not do it so um, it's a bit of a discussion each year but for the last I don't know how many years probably five or six or seven or eight probably years we've we've won out it's a, a little bit of um yeah not everyone's totally on board but I think it's like well if they're not going to do it anyway then it kind of uh it all falls down fortunately from my point of view hmm. that's an awesome idea I really really like that I tried to get my family to not go that hard but I really like that idea um, to just do a Kris Kringle, just buy one present for one person. And mm. it doesn't have to be super expensive and, you know, it is just a bit of a, I don't know, coming together and da-da-da. I think we got that through about once or twice. I still did buy my parents something because, you know. <laughs> but now I just sort of think everyone's kind of got everything. Like what 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 is it that you need? Yeah. And I think a lot of the time at Christmas, people get stuff that ends up like I'm, I guess I'm more thinking Christmas crackers and stuff, but stuff that either ends up straight in the bin or it is like put on a mantelpiece and then you do a clear out a year later, then it goes in the bin. But yeah, so much sort of waste and sort of joke gifts that yeah just end up don't last long, I guess. Yeah, I was quite disappointed that at work we're doing a Kris Kringle. We had to bring something. And, you know, I just talked to the people who were organising Christmas party and I said, can't we make a donation to XYZ charity that's doing some great things supporting young First Nation kids with science equipment? Mm. But they'd already sent the invitations to everybody and it already said the Kris Kringle thing and I thought people were going to get upset. I'm like, really? Who needs another present? Mm. They would have thought you were ruining Christmas, Carolyn. It's a good idea that you didn't say anything. You would have just gone down as that annoying social justice warrior vegan who's trying to ruin Christmas now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on a similar way, like for the last decade or so, I've always tried to give people donation gifts instead of gifts if it's birthdays or Christmas or whatever it is. So I think one of the first ones I did was those Oxfam gifts cards but obviously none of the animal exploitation ones they've got a range of other ones that are you know helpful in other ways and so I'll, I'll just pick a price point that I'm happy with and and just give people those and I was surprised it goes down really well um, people people really enjoy getting that I, I think I don't think people are used to getting those gifts so it still sort of is a bit of a surprise so hopefully the more we can normalize those sorts of things the better I know ALV, if people are looking for an animal-centric gift card, present card type thing where it's a donation made and you're giving a card representing that donation to someone as a present, ALV do those as well. Um, they call them gifts for good, I think it is. Yeah, I think check the ALV website, Animal Liberation Victoria. I think there's some other ones as well, but that's just a local one. I know Oxfam is still going. Just make sure you don't get the animal exploitation ones from Oxfam. And I think there's a few other organisations that do the same. I think TIA Foundation does them as well. Yeah, but they've, they've been pretty good. They don't always go down well. I'm pretty sure my mum lost friends over donating. Really? Yeah, my mum, like, donated to Medicine Song from TIA on their behalf. That <laughs> kind of like, shitty that they didn't get it. Wow. So it could be a gener I, generational thing, but, yeah, my mum's got some 
pretty weird boomer friends. Um, I think who, me, me and my partner gave one like a for an animal sanctuary to two vegans, and they were not that keen on it either. So it all depends on the on the people, I really? guess. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. yeah, I'm shocked. I've never had anything but good. Well, maybe people were lying to me and just putting on that fake face, like, oh, thank you. And then they, like, talk behind my back, like, can you believe they did a donation as a present to me? Like, maybe. Who knows? I have personally had great experiences, but my mum's had, yeah, yeah, terrible experiences. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm with you. I've had really good experiences with giving it as gifts. Yeah. One of my uni friends, her family had a thing where they would do a PowerPoint presentation every year where they would try it so the family would do gifts um but they would decide collectively about which charity or which cause that they would donate to and so each of the members of the family had to prepare a presentation to convince everyone else to vote for their chosen charity which i really loved the idea of i I thought that sounded like a really fun sort of christmas activity to all sit around and give a speech, a presentation about why your charity is the best choice. Um, I've got two young, young, well, they're not that young anymore. They're both in, nearly finished high school, but yeah, two younger nibblings. And I just give them money now because I'd rather do that than give them something that they don't want. And I actually mm. really love giving books as presents too. I read a lot. Yeah. Um, I've read over 500 books this year. <laughs> Um, wow. And so when I read one that I'm like, oh, this person will like this or, oh, that's Palestinian book, <laughs> um, I'm giving one of my nibblings a book that has a Palestinian main character in it. Um, it's a really cute queer love story. If anyone's looking for a, a cute um, YA novel, it's called This Is Why They Hate Us. Um, and, yeah, and one of the main characters is Palestinian. Oh, and the writer's incredible all over social media talking about Palestine and unrelenting in his advocacy um, and says he finds it really funny when people contact him and say, I'm really disappointed in you. I'm really shocked that you, and he's like, did you read my book? <laughs> like, <laughs> my love interest is Palestinian and there's a whole chapter in which he talks about, you know, his family's experience of genocide. So obviously you didn't read my book, otherwise you would know that I'm pro-Palestine. But that's a nice tradition that you remind me of because I come from a big book family. Like we give books all the time. So that was something that we'd get for Christmas and that's something that I would give my child or my friends or, you know, and some of the things that I would do in terms of those sort of gift card things would be donate to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation, for example, Mm. and you can, you know, download a little card and then give that card to the person which says I've donated five books um, in your name to a bunch of kids. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Another thing my, my partner does, not so much around Christmas, but it could be for Christmas, but if someone wants to give a birthday present or a Christmas present, like here is some vegan chocolate I like or get me some like vegan lush products for baths or whatever. And they're things like consumable things I'll definitely use and it won't be it won't be kind of wasted as well. So yeah, you can be more kind of demanding in a way, but I think it's better than rather than people guessing and something end up just like, yeah, not being used. Mm. Yeah, I love giving food as <laughs> a gift. I think it's an excellent gift. All right, so To finish off, um, we thought we'd outline what's happening with the show over the break. Yeah, over the next couple of weeks, so December 24th and December 31, um, we're going to play a couple of Freedom of Species shows. Um, I think we've exactly sorted out 100% what we're going to do yet, but I think we might play the the show from Delan and Harley, who have been regular guests on the show about their trip to Palestine. I think it would be a really great one to replay, but... Either way, there'll be a couple of Freedom of Species shows replayed. And then in 2024, on 7th of January, me and Claire are going to be discussing ice hockey. Do you want to, anything you want to say about that one, Claire? So much to talk about. I'm so excited. Yeah, there's lots and lots of controversies in the NHL at the moment around the special theme nights. Um, so... There's sort of very um, clearly anti-LGBTQIA um, plus 
moves to, yeah, not have Pride Nights um, and then that's sort of extended now into um, Indigenous acknowledgement. So there was one of the players whose wife is Indigenous and children are Indigenous. They tried to ban him from wearing um, a specially designed helmet. He's a goalie. Um, for an Indigenous night at his club. So there's, yeah, there's a lot going on in the NHL at the moment. So tune in for some really yeah. interesting and meaty political conversations about the NHL. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm also thinking like the military and police involvement in ice hockey and also how that fits with or doesn't fit with the supposed support for Black Lives Matter movement and those kind of issues as well. So there's heaps to discuss there. And on the 14th of January, myself and Freedom of Species host Meg and also regular guest Lottie are going to do a show looking at anti-capitalist alternatives. That sounds cool. Yeah, both those summer specials. And then when do we return to regular programming? 21st of January. We'll be back to normal Freedom of Species programming. Wow. So thanks, everyone. That wraps up our Christmas show. And coming up next is Rotations. Uh, so stick around and listen to them. As usual, you can contact us via email, which is freedomofspecies at gmail.com, I believe is our email address. And there's also Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or X or whatever it's called. So jump on and let us know what topics you want to hear from, from us in the future for next year, what you want to hear more of what you're interested in. If you've got any suggestions, please get in touch. And, uh, yeah, keep listening to 3CR. The last song um, that we're going to leave you with is uh, Elton John's Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher. So this was written for Billy Elliot, the musical. And there's some debate about whether or not the intentions of Elton John were to be so... (laughs) I mean, one of the lines is, we all celebrate today because it's one day closer to your death. So there's some debate about whether or not that's a sentiment that Elton John personally holds or whether he was like in character when he was writing this song for Billy Elliot the musical. But, you know, the Counterfire website, which is is where I found uh, this recommendation, says there's real venom here befitting someone involved in AIDS activism since the 1980s. So now Maggie Thatcher is dead, but I still feel we should celebrate with this song. I know we've been out on strike for eight months now, but don't worry, we're going to have the best bloody Christmas party we've ever had. Hey, Santa! Water! Can you hear it in the distance? Can you sense it far away? Is it old Rudolph the reindeer? Is it Santa on his sleigh? It's heading up to East England. It's coming down the tide. Oh, it's bloody Maggie Thatcher and Michael Heseltine.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.